0: Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 27. This morning I'd like to share and and talk about the, the cross and Jesus going to the cross and the high cost of the cross. And I'd like to start by reading this account here in the book of Matthew. We'll start reading at verse 32. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were come unto the place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink, mingled with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him, and parted his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there, and set up this over his um, this set over his head this accusation written. This is Jesus, King of the Jews. Then were there two thieves, crucified with him, one on the right hand and another on the left. And as they passed by, reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking him, and the scribes and the elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. The thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, 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 lama sabachthani, that is to say, My God, My God. Why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there, when they heard that, said, This man calleth for Elijah. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, Let be, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, and the graves were opened. And many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. Now, when the centurion and they that were with him, watching Jesus, saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. And many of the women were there, beholding afar off, which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him. And it lists a number of them, and then talks about his burial. So this morning, we are remembering what Jesus did on the cross. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, and we're going to start in chapter 1. And the reason I'm going there is because the cross is what we must preach, and what we must talk about, and what we must remember. And it's only the cross that saves each one of us here. And it is our sins that put him there. But it seems like the older I get, the more I feel a little bit like G. Campbell Morgan did. And he wrote in his book on the crises of Christ. And this is what he wrote. He says, at the commencement of this study, I would place on record, not idly and not for mere sake of doing so, but under the urgency of a great conviction that I am deeply conscious of approaching things too high and too profound for any finality of statement. Personally, I increasingly shrink from any attempt to speak in detail of the great fact of the cross. This is not because I am growing away from it, but rather on account of the fact that I am more deeply conscious every day of my need for all that it stands for, And as I have pressed closer to its heart, I have become almost overwhelmed with its unfathomable deeps and its infinite majesty. How can we talk about something so wonderful, something we need so desperately, and something we have little understanding, really, of what it's all about? He also, in that same book, said that the cross answers two questions. How can God be just and justify the sinner? And how can righteousness of conduct be made possible to those who are poisoned by the paralysis of sin? And yet we must preach the cross. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, or I'm sorry, it's chapter 1. Verse 23, it says, We preach Christ crucified, unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. In chapter 2, verse 1, And I, brother, came unto you not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And back in chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians, Verse 16, it says, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing the glory of it, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. It is the crux of everything that we are here about today. And Jesus, in his great wisdom, instituted the Passover, and then communion, so that we never forget what he has done for us. Some wonder at what point in Jesus' life that he became aware of what his ministry would be. Did he know as a little child? Did he know, like, when did that happen? And I believe he knew it and understood it from the beginning. He understood where he was going. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 53. Jesus knew this passage from before he ever came to earth, and he knew who this passage was about, and he knew it would be the focus of his ministry, and that was the focus of his ministry. We talk a lot about Jesus coming and what he did for others and how he healed the sick and the lame and how he brought truth and how he taught and all the wonderful things he did while he was here. But his focus was looking forward to the cross, to the cross that someday he would suffer and die on for us. In Isaiah 53, starting at verse 1, he says, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For she shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And we shall see him. There is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted. And yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before the shears is dumb. So he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, and to put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, and he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied, and by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities." Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Jesus knew full well what his ministry was and where he was going. In Matthew chapter 20, it says, and Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples apart in a way, in the way and said unto him, them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him. And the third day he shall rise again. Then came him to the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. Isn't it amazing that they were desiring something of him and did not have a clue what they were asking for? But he knew, and he told them. And often we wonder, how did they not get it? How did they not understand? I mean, he said, this is what's going to happen. And when it happened, they didn't catch it. It wasn't until after his resurrection that he died would see them and explain it to them. Turn to the book of John as we think about him going to the cross and his mission, his focus on it and knowing where he was going. In John chapter 10, verse 11, it says, I am the good shepherd The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And over to verse 17 and 18. Therefore doeth my father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. And if you think about that, he's saying, I am voluntarily doing this. I am going to lay it down. And I realize today there are people, for some reason or another, that will allow themselves to be hung on a cross. Some of them actually crucified on a cross, I think very carefully, because they don't want to die, but they somehow think that this will, I don't know if it's just give them points with God or what it is, somehow take part in his suffering. But no one volunteered to go to a Roman cross and be crucified. The pain and the scourging and the suffering and the way they nailed Him to the cross and then they hung there till they died. No one said, I'll do that, except Jesus. He said, I'll do that, I'll go, I'll go because of our sins. And that's what he did. Turn to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, verses 49 to 50. He says, I am come to send fire on the earth. And what will I if it be already kindled? But I have a baptism to be baptized with. And how am I straightened till it be accomplished? That word straightened there means to be burdened or to be pressed or be steered in that direction, if you will. And here he is. And then he goes on and says, if you think I came to bring peace, you're wrong. I came to bring division. There's going to be... Mother against daughter, father against son, and mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and so forth. He gives examples. Because he knew that there would be those that would, by faith, choose to follow him as their Lord and Savior. And there would be those that would say, no, that's ridiculous. And it would bring division. And it still does. There are still families that are divided. And many of us who maybe grew up in a setting where it was expected that we should become Christians, that we should follow We don't maybe understand that, but I have talked to people that have uh, grown up in homes where Christ was nothing to them, and they choose to follow Christ, and they go back to the family and try to witness and try to bring others to Christ, and there is division because they say, that's ridiculous, that's wrong, you're crazy, I don't need Christ. Jesus came to do that, but he says there's a baptism that I'm going to be baptized with. And he says, I am burdened until it be accomplished. And yet there was a joy that was set before him, that he was moving in that direction. His whole life, his whole ministry, moving in that direction. And he was burdened with it until it be accomplished. And yet, when he gets to that point of knowing his hour had come, And the hour was now there, yet he prayed to his father, if there be some other way, if there be some other way, but not my will, but thine be done. He was willing to give his life. He was willing. Let's go back to Matthew 27, where we were a little earlier. I'd like to look at one of the sayings here. Actually, I think it's the only saying that Matthew records of his seven sayings on the cross. Where he says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And I know that there are all sorts of theologies that are built around this saying. And why did he feel forsaken? And what happened at this point, and I think it's perhaps dangerous for any of us to say this is exactly what happened here because we don't know for sure. I do know one thing, and I've shared this before, that those religious leaders who knew the Old Testament very well would have recognized when he said that Psalm 22, which is such a prophetic psalm about the crucifixion. If they they could put Two and two together at all. And heard him say that and thought about, oh, we've heard this before. Oh, it's the beginning of Psalm 22. Oh, this is what that psalm says. Oh, this picture looks pretty familiar right now. But I don't know if they could have put that together at this point. They were so vengeful. And, but perhaps some of them did. But what was he feeling? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Hanging there on the cross. It's interesting that if you go back to the Garden of Eden, when man sinned and actually brought about the need for the cross, that man was quite hoping that God had forsaken them and would not show up. But yet, there they are in the garden. They've sinned. They feel guilt. They know they've done wrong. And they hear the voice of God coming through the garden. And they hid themselves. They went and hid themselves because of sin. Now, the remedy for sin is hanging on the cross looking for the Father. And where is he? Where is he? Why hast thou forsaken me? And yet, he keeps coming and looking for us, even at times when we forsake him. He's there for us. Jesus said, I'll never leave thee, no forsake thee we are one of His. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Turn to Acts chapter 2. I know we're turning to a lot of passages this morning, but I'd like the scriptures just to help illuminate what was going on on that cross. In Acts chapter 2, after the Holy Spirit had come and Peter's preaching his message, verses 22 to 24 says, Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you and ye yourselves also know. So he's pointing out the fact that God showed you. You saw the signs. You saw the wonders. You saw the things that he did. You know that. It says him, Christ, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. God had planned this. The Bible says that he was slain from the foundation of the world. You go back. Before man sinned, there was a remedy for it. Christ knew from the foundation of the world. God had determined this would be what would happen by the foreknowledge of God, his determinate counsel. And then it goes into this ye have taken. And by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. Go back to verse 23 again. So God, in his foreknowledge, determined that this would be what would happen as a remedy for sin. And then it says, by wicked hands, he was crucified and slain. Think about the irony of that. A holy God and his holy son for a remedy for sin allowed wicked men to do that work. To what? Cure wickedness. He didn't use holy men to do it. Holy men wouldn't do it. He used wicked men to fulfill his predetermined plan to deal with wickedness of mankind. Oh, the wisdom of God. But God raised him back up. He couldn't stay on the cross. Planned by God, fulfilled by wicked men, to save us from sin. Let's go back to Matthew 27. It's not recorded in Matthew 27. You can find it in the book of John and his account of the story. But after he says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And you see that little discourse there. It says that um, in verse 48... Straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. And John, it says the reason they did that was because he had cried out, two simple words, I thirst. But what I find interesting is his spiritual need, if you will, or the spiritual thing of my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me was the first thing that he said. And then he says, after that, I thirst. The physical part of it. He doesn't say, it, it doesn't say he was complaining. It doesn't say, he didn't say it was unfair, but he said, I thirst. If you think about that, how long it had, had it been since he had had a drink of water? Probably hours and hours. He had went through trials he had went through a scourging. He had walked from Pilate's house to Herod's uh, palace back to Pilate's house, here and there had lost how much blood, sweat, agony. And I don't know how hot it was out there on the cross. he says, "I thirst." Not a lot that he said. But I think it shows just one more thing of the physical suffering that he went through for us. So they ran to get something to give him to drink. Jesus cried again with a loud voice and yielded up the ghost. The Holy Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the world, gave up the ghost. And I thought about that, the idea that I thirst. Remember when Jesus said, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me, and I will give him to drink. Yeah, and then he says, out of our bellies will issue water, uh, living water we can share with others. He was the He was the living water, and yet he was hanging there and said, I thirst. For you, for me, and for the whole world. Turn to 2 Corinthians. Why did he do it? And why should we remember this today? It's because of us. And the greatest burden that he faced, I believe, was the fact that it was for our sins that he hung there they were placed upon him and how all of that worked again is too great for us to understand in some respects second corinthians chapter five just talking about the fact that we must all appear before the judgment seat of christ and going on down through that talks about, therefore, in verse 17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Christ was reconciling the world to himself. And in verse 21, it says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. The word sin there, some would say, is more rightly um, translated as sin offering. The Greek word that was used there often in uh, Septuagint, I believe, would have been um, understood that way. Williams, in his translation, said, He made him who personally knew nothing of sin to be a sin offering for us. So that through union with him, we might come into right standing with God. And whether he made him to be sin or a sin offering, the one thing I do know, he knew no sin. It was my sin that he took to the cross and bore the sins of the whole world. And First Peter, turn to First Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 21. He says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. And when he suffered, he threatened not. But committed himself to him that judges righteously, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but now are returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls." He bare our sins in his own body on the tree so that we can be dead to sin and live unto righteousness. It's by his wounds that we are healed. When I stood up here this morning, I read um, out of Hebrews there. And I'd like to go back to that Hebrews chapter 12 is where I had read from this morning. We'll read verse 1 as well. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which do us so easily beset us. Let us get rid of the sin that so easily trips us up, besets us. Let us run with patience or perseverance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, Who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. What have you done with Jesus? There's a poem here I thought I would read this morning. I don't often do that. Great joy was laid... Before our Christ, but oh, the path of pain, surrender to the Father's plan, and there his heart remained, fixed on the cross and all its grief, the shame of sin to bear, to hang among the cursed ones, their agony to share. The curse was placed upon his head, the thorns did pierce his brow, they spit, they smote, they mocked him so, all this he did allow. His hour had come in fullness now, the sin, the pain, the shame, and willingly he suffered still the souls of men to claim. The scorners wagged their heads in doubt, forgiveness he returned, but just one thief accepted it, and paradise he earned. The darkness fell upon the land like on the souls of men, but soon the light would shine again and show the cure for sin. He rose triumphant from the grave, the joy he now received, and joy can fill your heart as well, if you will now believe. Forsake your sins and follow him, the one who died for you, and you will find the joy of Christ when all things are made new. Yes, joy was set before our Christ, forever he will reign, still seeking for the lost to save, and there his heart remains. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for what you did for us. Thank you that we can this morning remember that by this time of sharing communion together as a brotherhood and love for each other and our love for you. Just help us to truly understand somehow in our hearts how much you have done for us. pray all this in Jesus' name.